My name is Rand Eberhard. I'm the director of congregational care and a grateful believer in Jesus Christ and a friend of many of you and those that I don't know. I look forward to getting to know you. I'm glad you're here this morning. Glad that you got up and are here for the early service. Uh, This morning, I want to consider some things out of Romans chapter 12, verse 1 through 8. If you want to turn there, I'm going to read it in a minute. But first of all, I want to put things in perspective for you to understand um, consciously in your mind as, as your heart begins to be affected by the truth of God's love and his word. We can't consider God's plan without seeing our place in it. We can't consider God's plan without seeing our place in his plan. By our simple faith in Jesus Christ, we walk right into glory. As a believer in Jesus Christ, all of the promises of God are yours to own, embody, imply, apply to life. All of the promises of Christ. Specifically, the greatest promise of all is Jesus lived a life, sinless, came to die for you, was persecuted on your behalf. He stood in the gap and paid the price of death, death on a cross, that you might believe in him. By your simple faith in Christ, you walk right into glory. And if you're wrestling with that message, I tell you today that I stand here as an ordinary guy that God has entrusted to bring a word of hope. Um, from a life of wreckage, uh, a life of continued struggle, a life that uh, goes in and out of um, uncertainty and, and tend to live in anxiety from time to time, but knowing that those aren't the plans of God, and those aren't the truths that he died for. So how is it that I would lean into Romans chapter 8 and really believe that the mind set on the spirit experiences life and peace? That's a promise I want to embody, apply to the, the deep wrestling of my soul, and walk into a broken world that people would say, in spite of his setbacks, he's a difference maker. And God wants that for you. And God wants you to consider um, what is your part in this this journey of life, the struggle that we all are faced with that creates this tension where we live in a world that says you're only as good as what you contribute. You're only as good as what you do, how you look, how you handle things. But the truth is you are as good as Jesus says you are. And he says that you are worth his death. Thank the Lord for that. So as we look today at Romans 12, 1 through 8, the central theme is being a living sacrifice, reflecting God's image and impacting the world, reflecting the image of God that the truth is in you and is evident in your countenance. It's evident in your attitude. It's evident in your responses and how you deal with the, the battle within, the battle that, that of the outside world that comes against you to say you're something you're not, be it self-righteous or be it something that would encourage self-pity or self-condemnation. These things aren't based in the truth, and they're not sourced in heaven. The world is soul corruption. It's a condition of humanity, fall, the fall and darkness. The world has its fads and fashions, which change with each generation. The world is human life and society with God left out. 
And here's the thing. Our thinking and impulses remain influenced by the world. Our bodies, the things that appeal to the senses, are unchanging. But what is true and what is forever, yesterday, today, and tomorrow, is the Word of God, the measuring stick of what God speaks down from heaven throughout generations in our modern era of how we understand his truth and reflect his image and walk in a life that is set on peace that surpasses understanding. Regardless of, of what happens in life, we can experience peace, a theology of suffering, of being willing to stand in the gap at taking on whatever life has to throw us at us, knowing that we're simply waiting for the resurrection of the Lord to bring us up and be united with him in heaven forever. There's eternal security there. We minimize it and we push it out of sight and we look at our day-to-day situations and we respond emotionally and we, we, we make decisions based on feelings. But this morning we're going to unpack a little bit of this and we're going to consider what it means to be a living sacrifice, having a transformed mind, living into God's will, being self-aware by making a self-assessment with a sober judgment. A situational awareness requires a sober, sober judgment and the many gifts of living in one body. So if you would, let's stand in honor of God's word, and I'm going to read Romans 12, 1 through 8. You don't have to read along, but let's just honor the word. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present yourself your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is the good and acceptable and perfect will. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. You may be seated. Lord, thank you that you uh, have gifted us and you have encouraged us and you have pursued us in spite of our self-love, our sin, our secret self-love that we place ourselves before others and before you that comes against your plan for humanity to die to self, to believe in your risen presence in our life, and to accept you as our Savior, and then walk out your good news into a broken world. Just open your word today that it might affect our minds and our hearts, that we would go out changed as difference makers. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. So a short story just to personalize uh, this this tension we live in and (laughs) be honest with you about my own struggles in life. Um, 
just the other day, I was playing some golf and playing by myself, and I walk, I'm walking up. I'm not good at golf anyway, but I, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to hit accurate yardages, and you know how it is when you have to walk way off and find a sprinkler head and see the yardage into the, into the hole and figure out what iron to hit. Well, I, said, I pray to the Lord, Lord, if it be your will, let me have a range finder. So I start, and those of you that play golf know it's a little uh, device that you hold and you aim at the flag and it tells you exactly how far you are. Not that that would help my game, but I figured I could use one. Um, So as the Lord hears prayer, by his incredible mercy, it seemed, there's a rangefinder sitting there on the very hole that I'm playing. (laughs) So I walk up, I'm looking around like, how does this happen? (laughs) And I grab this rangefinder and I pick it up and it's it's a nice device. I'm like, what in the world? So I take it and I put it in my bag and I know that somebody's going to be coming by for this thing. They're not going to go more than a hole without realizing they've lost this thing. So in my flesh, I'm thinking, well, how can I deceitfully scheme? to ultimately walk from this course with this newfound device, knowing that it's not mine. Clearly, that's not from the Lord, <laughs> you know. So I put this thing in my bag, and I'm waiting, and nobody's coming around, and, and I think to myself, I'm rationalizing in my mind, in the flesh, I'm rationalizing, knowing that in my heart, there's no way I can keep this thing. It's got to go back to the clubhouse or, or whatever. But I, I, I'm trying to convince myself, hey, you ought to just leave right now. <laughs> just walk off through hole eight and just get out of here. Um, but I know that's not what the Lord wanted. And, and I wait a few minutes and here comes a cart pulling down the path. And two guys roll up and they're, hey, did you find a, a range finder? Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I grab it, I give it back to him. And I said, you know, I just prayed about the Lord bringing me one of those. And I thought he heard my prayer, but, you know, I guess I got to give it back. So um, one of the guys with him was a Middle Eastern guy, and he goes, he, he goes, God is good, but Allah is great. I said, oh, and here was my chance, right? Here was my chance to be that hero of the faith. I said, that may be true, but my God said, it's better to give than receive. So here you go. <laughs> And he rode off, and I let it go. But thankfully, I play that course frequently, and he now has become a ministry project. So I'll circle back, I'll report back of what the Lord does in that. The story is an example of how we wrestle regardless of our good intention, regardless of our will and our mind and emotions being surrendered to the lordship of Jesus Christ, we, we live in this battle. We live in this, this tension that says you're only as good as what you can do for someone, or you're only as good as the amount of people that look to you as, as, as a leader. So nobility of countenance is a real indicator. The face is the index of the soul, and the eyes are a lamp to the body, the spirit the life we live. The Holy Spirit does not change the skin or the appearance of the face, but the works within, but he works within and he renews our minds and he transforms our soul. Abraham Lincoln said when asked to appoint a certain man to a high place in his government, he said, I don't like his face. (laughs) 
Imagine, imagine that going over today. I don't like his face. But surely, said the petitioner, the man isn't responsible for his face. Said Lincoln, every grown man is responsible for his face. So what is it that you, you stand? What is the foundation you stand on? And does that foundation of truth and light and being the presence of hope, is that evident before the, the people around you? Is that, is that conjured up or is that just a natural process of surrender? And that, that really is the central theme of today's topic, a, a living sacrifice. So an interpretation piece of, of a bit of the context here, Paul pre- prepares the church in Rome to apply principles to thrive in life as a believer and as a church. Everything Paul encourages them to do, he presents as being a fitting response of justified sinners to God's compassion and salvation. In Romans 6 through 8, Paul explained what it means to be a justified person. In 7, 4 through 6, you can look, he says, Unite with Christ and be set free from the law and serve in this new way of the Spirit. Again, if you look at Romans 8, it says, The mindset on the Spirit is controlled by the Holy Spirit. You experience life as God intended and the peace that surpasses understanding. In 12.2, we see that he talks of being the renewal of the mind. Our mortal bodies include our thinking and our impulses. The five senses. The voice that appeals to the senses is not always the voice that calls you the beloved. The voice that appeals to the senses. But we move by way of feeling. We move by way of what seems right because it agrees with our, with our body. It agrees with the one thing that the enemy can come at us and tempt us, especially by the gateway of the eyes and the ears, the senses. What we see makes sense to us. What we hear, ultimately, decisions are made with a quick rationale, and we move towards what seems right. But if the Word is not the foundation that we walk on, and we don't meditate on the Scripture and hunger and thirst for righteousness, it's not just that you scan through it and you've done your Devo, but you hunger and thirst for the righteousness of God, and you will be filled. Words of Christ, Matthew 5. As we wait for the resurrection... We are to bring the rest of our lives into alignment with the transformation that God has brought about within, a heart change. A love and humility makes sense when there is heart change. In the natural, in the flesh, in the tension that we live in, the judgment of people, the competition of the world, it is really difficult to have humility. It is really difficult to have compassion and forgiveness. These things don't make sense in the natural But supernaturally, the Holy Spirit works in our lives as we understand his word, we understand his character. As we understand his character, we invite his presence to rest on our lives in such a way that things that don't make sense in the natural begin to transform our lives and the environment that we are entrusted to affect for his glory. Jeremiah 31, 33, a promise fulfilled in the gospel is this. The Lord says of Israel, I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you know instantly whether or not you should keep the rangefinder sitting on the golf course. (laughs) 
but the body is going to tempt you. And the, the, the selfish nature that we continually wrestle with is going to be the temptation to say, serve yourself. It's easier. Take a shortcut. Be a little bit dishonest. Victimize a situation or a person for your own personal benefit. These kind of things. Be mean to somebody so you can laugh. The things that, that seem fitting in the moment to, uh, to serve self and to get a laugh or, or to appease the sinful nature, they don't last and they don't contribute to the betterment of the world we live in, the broken world. So the four parts we're going to talk about this morning is this. Living sacrifice, transformed mind, a self-assessment, being a sober judgment, and the many gifts of one body. The living sacrifice worship offered by mind and heart is being fully engaged. A worship as we stand and praise God in person with this great worship team, as we worship by way of investing our hard-earned money that God has entrusted us to put back into the work of his kingdom. Salvation depends not on man's desire or effort, but on God's mercy, Romans 9.16. And his purpose is to make the riches of his glory known to the objects of his mercy. This is critical. In view of God's mercy, he issues his ethical appeal. There is no greater incentive to holy living than a contemplation of the mercies of God. Do we understand the mercy that God has offered us? Do we really understand that we don't deserve anything, but God has given us everything here and now and into eternity? We live so much in the present that we miss the fact that God has forgiven us much as we look back. And maybe we don't forgive ourselves, so we continue to look back with a way of a self-defeating or resentful mentality where we can't let ourselves off the hook or someone else until they have paid restitution. Are we applying the lordship of uh, Jesus Christ in this? Understanding the mercy that in spite of our suffering, whatever it may be, emotional, physical, relational, financial, can we stand and understand the mercies of God. We don't deserve anything. But God in his simplicity, the simple gospel of Jesus Christ has given us the invitation to embody the liberating truth that transforms a world. The greatest force in the universe, God's love, is empowered and given to us and entrusted. How then are, we, are you reflecting and considering for your life how and why the mercies of God is critical to, to your willingness to surrender in all ways and all things and all circumstances. It starts with offering your body as a living sacrifice. When you are tempted by the senses and you're tempted by the appeals of the world towards the flesh to become its customer, are you willing to die to that and invite the Lord to give you the response that he's implanted deep in your heart? where you know instantly whether it's from him or not. When you're wrestling with a difficult decision, it takes a bit more reflection. It may be the, the wisdom and encouragement of a fellow believer. Paul gets to that in this context. Don't conform to the patterns of this world. That is, God left out. The alluring material and the enemy's gateway to the soul comes by way of the eyes. 
the nature of social media and the temptation of the world is such that the enemy can continually distract us from being present with family, ourselves, with God, with other people. So what is getting in the way of this, this freedom of the heart, this application in the conscience to live a life that is empowered by the Spirit? You make the self-assessment. You be the judge of what that looks like. So the Holy Spirit must have control of your entire body to have free access to control your mind and your will. We put them out of order. We think that if we just start thinking the right way, then everything will fall into place. But the way it's set up in this text is we put down our lives and our bodies as a living sacrifice. We continually make a sacrifice, foregoing the things that appeal to the senses for the glory of God. The transformation, the transformed renewal of the mind, living into God's will for our lives is three-part. Morally, mentally, and motivationally. Morally, we are to offer our bodies as instruments of righteousness, Romans 6.13. The steps of moral transformation are our mind is renewed by the word and the spirit of God. Then we're able to, to discern his good and pleasing and perfect will. Our minds are being renewed continually. It's not a one-time devotional. It's an ongoing hunger and thirst for righteousness because we understand what is true, what is right, what is noble, what is pure, what is clean, and what is from the Lord. Then we, we, we are increasingly transformed by the, the word, and his perfect will becomes the holiness that we embody. The perfect will of God is this holy living that is the attractional nature of Christ in us. Not cool factor, not athletic prowess or, or intellectual uh, gifts, but the attractional nature of Christ in you, where you look over and you say, that guy is the presence of hope. That woman walks with a countenance that has clearly been affected by the risen Lord. The Holy Spirit is evident there. Mentally, the Word of God operates as an object, objective, revelation of God's will. The word of God operates as an objective revelation of God's will. Motivationally, our renewed mind, which is capable of discerning and approving of God's will, must be actively evaluated within our lives, our identity and our gifts. A renewed mind is a humble mind like Christ. Dr. Youssef said something to me uh, Weeks ago, when, when I told him I was dealing with some anxiety around an issue, and he told me that at the root of anxiety is always some degree of pride. And I'll be honest with you today, as I, as I prepared to come up here and speak, I was really anxious. And I, I was riding down um, 75 with my wife, and she was telling me a story about... Um, our, our girls that attend classical conversation <laughs> homeschool. And it was a story of someone else's problem and it was heavy in nature. And it was just creating greater anxiety in me. But as a good husband and a person that loves Jenny, I, I sat and listened and, and knew that her, her story was important to her and therefore important to me. But again, back to the anxiety piece, there's always a sense of fear of failure fear of man, fear of rejection, and looking at this root system that goes deep behind any bad fruit in our lives, are we willing to be um, 
sensitive to these things? Are we willing to look into them and become self-aware? So if you're dealing with anxiety and it's a reoccurring issue, just take a look at how pride might be affecting that and misinforming what is from God and what isn't. And we all deal with that, and it's not a sin. But it's okay to have a problem. It's not okay to be a problem. The humble mind of Christ, accurate view of self, with clarity of purpose requires a sober self-image. Do we see ourselves with an honest self-assessment? And do we have truth-tellers in our lives that care enough about us to tell us the truth, hold us accountable, recalibrate our attitude and our minds back into submission to the will of God? And the self-assessment, the sober judgment begins with recognizing our faults. Our fault recognized is half-corrected. But if we move through life and these are blind spots and we don't take a look at self-righteousness or even self-pity where we have a defeated nature, we're not willing to address these things and our problems become our problem. And instead of the identity of Christ that we're created for, we lean into these problems as if, well, I guess I'm just an alcoholic. I guess I'm just... I guess I'm just a busybody. I guess, I, I guess I'm just a, a person that deals with overwhelming uh, anxiety. Our problems become our problems if we're unwilling to invite the kingdom of God into these things to reshape and reorient our hearts and minds. And that comes by way of people. That comes by way of the word. The truth that rings and echoes in our spirit happens when we are willing to drop our guard and receive correction not as rejection. Our tendency is to do that. Somebody corrects us and we feel rejected and we throw up our defense mechanisms and we miss the point that God has for us. So do you have a sober judgment and outlook on life that has clarity and purpose about it that is sourced in heaven? Hebrews 4.12, the word of God is the discerner of the heart. The ultimate discernment is this, 1 John 5.5. 5. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only he who believes that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That is the simple promise that we would apply, and the victory is ours. You overcome the world only if you understand that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Wrapping up here in many gifts in one body, the gifts administered from the Father, and Romans 12 uh, speaks of the Father elsewhere in Ephesians. The Son is the administrator of the gifts. In 1 Corinthians, the Holy Spirit is the uh, administrator of the gifts. As one body, each member belongs to one another. We are dependent on one another and enhanced by the diversity of our gifts. Those whose hearts are filled with divine faith and love joyfully co-labor with humble hearts. When we journey with people, it requires a great deal of humility and a great deal of compassion to not just default to the people that look like us or act like us or are on our same level, whatever that might be, but do we engage the world around us with a purpose that is missional in nature? And in doing that, we become available to the people of the world that God said, be sent and be the hands and feet of the good news. And blessed are those that bring the gospel of peace. So are you willing to journey into a world that is a little different? And are you willing to open your life up to the diversity of this 
this community and this broken world that we live in being the presence of hope for a broken person to say, I'm here as a representative of the kingdom of God. I've been entrusted with a truth that will liberate the bondage of the soul. If you can answer that you are leading from the heart Jesus gave you, then you've spent time with the Lord and you have a mission about your life. And that's what we're all invited into is the greatest gift that we could ever comprehend or the greatest news that we could ever hear. The speaking gifts are this, prophesying, teaching, and encouraging. The serving gifts are serving, contributing, leading, and showing mercy. Paul emphasizes prophecy, which means speaking under divine revelation. Do you have a prophetic word for someone? Do you, or, or, does someone have a prophetic word from you that often looks like correction, not as rejection, but a measuring stick of God's word to go forth in your life that brings restoration of the soul and hope? You're willing to, you're willing to live through the struggles of life and have a theology of suffering that is built on something bigger than you. Something bigger than you is the victim or bigger, bigger than you is the know-it-all but someone that understands that God has invited you deep into his heart to live into this life with freedom and purpose. In Ephesians 2.20, the apostles and prophets are mentioned as the foundation on which the church is built. Apostles and prophets. Giving fresh encouragement to those who have lost heart is the gift of the encourager, and we should all be that giving fresh encouragement to those who have lost heart. Leadership, the key to ministry and leadership is sensitivity. We're all called to that. Do you have a sensitive nature? Are you willing to listen instead of just impose your your view or just wait till someone stops talking so you can talk? Do you want to hammer people into submission of your will? Do you want to control your environment to make sure that your point is heard? Or do you have a sensitive nature? a kind spirit, a gentle spirit. In closing, I encourage you to hear these things. A definite faith brings a definite experience. Do you have a definitive faith? And if you do, look at the subtleties of God in your world and look at how he's moving in your life and communicating to you. What is he revealing to you? What is he inviting you into? And are you willing to be as bold as a, a lion and see those things play out? Proverbs 28.1, you can see that as a great verse. Only a vision of God's mercy will inspire us to present our bodies to him and allow him to transform us according to his will. We must recognize our helplessness and fall back into the arms of a loving father. Will you surrender by continually being a living sacrifice? The true remedy of all social and political evils is a heart that is changed by the blood of Christ, filled with holiness and a mouth that shares the knowledge of the living God. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Thank the Lord that I stand up here as a person that could easily have run off in fear (laughs) this morning, but I stand up here as a person that's been entrusted And I I thank you that you have decided to get up this morning and see what God has for you. But that message is continually being revealed 
to you in the Spirit, in the Word, in the fellow believer. And you are invited to be a vessel of hope, the presence of hope, the vessel of light in a broken world. Will you take the challenge? We look forward to you growing in faith with you as fellow believers. So may, be, may God uh, comfort you and bless you as we go out. And Amy's going to come up and our Jeremy's going to cl- come up and close us out. Amen.